Hello and welcome back to I Promise It Won't Be Boring. I'm your host, Anne Verhoeven, and in each episode, my guests and I will revel in our most memorable travel adventures, discuss the highs and lows of living abroad, and lots more. Is this one less squeaky? Oh my god. Oh yeah, this is way less squeaky. Okay. Bye, squeaker. Okay. So can you hear me? I can. Loud and clear. Great. <laughs> What's that banging noise? He's leaving. Okay. <laughs> keys and doors and... Okay, so that's silence. Can you do a test line with the silence? Test line with silence. (laughs) Just a reminder that we recorded these conversations from our closets, attics and bathrooms during various stages of lockdown here in Berlin. So if the sound quality is a little off, please bear with us. So I have news. I'm moving back to London in 2022. I've waffled on about wanting to move back ever since I left four years ago and had pretty much put this dream to rest when a few months back it happened. I tried again to make it happen and this time it actually did. It still hasn't really sunk in yet, but I'm over the moon to be heading back to a place that really feels like home. But it got me thinking on one nostalgic, great, and to be honest, pretty hungover day recently. Could Berlin have been my forever home? or at least my indefinite home for now. What if the pandemic hadn't left me feeling isolated and disconnected? What if I didn't spend my entire time in a long distance relationship and maybe fell in love with someone here? What if I'd let go of my firm grip on this vision of a life that was more aesthetically pleasing, less raw, less Berlin? I guess I'll never know and that's okay. But I have been feeling a real fondness an openness and, dare I say, a love of this city that I never really felt before, ever since I knew I had to leave. It's that classic human nature of the grass is always greener, we always want what we don't have, right? So this episode is dedicated to Berlin. It's a little love letter from me to a city that I've had a love-hate relationship with, but a city that, in many ways, loved me unconditionally. Berlin, you've been so good to me in the incredible, high-ceilinged, beautiful apartments that I managed to score, in the beautiful friendships that I forged here, some of whom I now consider some of my best friends in the world, in the amazing job that I secured, the wonderful colleagues I've gained, and the amazing boss, shout out, who is now supporting me to move back to the UK. All of which, my home, my friends, and my job, kept me safe and secure during one of the shittiest times in history, when I was far away from my family in Australia. So I've been incredibly lucky here, and as far as stepping stones or temporary homes go, this place has knocked it right out of the park. So to pay homage to this city, I'm going to be chatting to a few of my friends here about their experiences living in Berlin, some of whom you've met before on previous episodes, and some of whom you'll be meeting for the first time. I really hope you enjoy this little nostalgic episode, and as usual, I promise it won't be boring. First up, meet Artie. Artie's from Sydney originally, but has called London home for the past six years. She recently came to visit me here in Berlin for a long weekend. Here's what Artie thought of Berlin as a first-timer to this weird and wonderful city. What I loved about Berlin is the people and their attitude to others. Um... I felt Berlin very much had this come as you are attitude, no matter who you are or what you look like, you're welcome. Um, I really love that vibe. You know, I didn't feel like it was pretentious at all. 
Um, and it was just a very welcoming um, city. And I also appreciate the transport system in Berlin. Super, super efficient, super, super clean. Um, and the transport systems uh, operate with a kind of honor system. So there's no, um, you know, gates where people tap in or tap off. So you buy a ticket for a period of time and you just get on. There's no waiting for people to like tap on the bus or tap into, you know, the gates at the tube um, like we do here in London. It just makes things run uh, smoother. Um, and also, again, shows to me like people respect each other and the fact that they have this system in place means they trust their people. I also love the food scene. Uh, you know, you could get anything in Berlin from fancy, bougie restaurants to, you know, street food. And it was all really, really good and also really, really cheap um, compared to London. So you can have a really good meal out and it's not going to break the bank. Ooh, and the last thing I want to say, I absolutely fell in love with um, Brammy Balls Donuts. I'm probably not pronouncing it very uh, accurately, um, but it's a vegan uh, donut store, but it doesn't taste vegan at all. Um, thanks to Annie for her <laughs> recommendation, because I was on a mission when I was there to have a vegan donut a day uh, for that <laughs> five day trip. Um, yeah. That was another highlight and takeaway for me. Speaking of Londoners in Berlin, Emma moved here three years ago, and despite the pandemic dampening her style, she hasn't really looked back. In fact, Berlin may have just changed her for the better. For me, it's about less people, and it's also about the less busyness. And this was really interesting for me when I first got here because I always thought I wasn't this person, but I really am. And I... I, I am the Londoner that was, you know, I was so used to this world of fast paced and I was so used to this crazy, hectic. I mean, let's talk about it in coffee because coffee is one of my favorite things. It's like this thing that I do every morning. I either make it myself or I buy it. And it's this routine. It's this ritual that makes me feel at home. It's this ritual that makes me feel confident. I am always better when I have a coffee cup in my left hand and I'm walking somewhere or talking to somebody. And this became really interesting because this because also became very, very important to me throughout my COVID kind of lockdown, the first lockdown when I was on my own. But, but basically... When I going back to London, when I was in London, I would literally you would wait one minute for a coffee, one or two minutes, and anything more than that was too much. You know that just was that was slow. It's you know tubes. Anything more than if you saw a tube, the next tube was coming in more than three minutes. I mean that was just unacceptable. <laughs> and this is this is the way. And you know, then you get on the tube and you're packed with all these people and they're all there and, and you're you're closer to some of these people than you are to your like best friends and boyfriends, you know? And it was just so crazy. And so I was this person that as soon as my tube, I worked in Farringdon and I remembered that I could get from King from the the tube from King's Cross to Farringdon that I would take would be open air at some point. So as soon as I got signal back on my phone, I would order my Starbucks online. What? On the, on the app. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, uh, and my friend Amanda from New York got me into this, or she's actually from Boston. Oh, that's but, so New York. I'm sorry. It's so New York. And, <laughs> and I became this person. She introduced me to this app and I became this person that as soon as I got signal on my phone, I would order my same coffee um, uh, every day. 
and um, yeah, an almond milk latte. And I would literally walk up the road and I would walk through, they had a thoroughfare through this Starbucks and I would literally walk, pick it up because it was already there and I would go (laughs) to work. I mean, if that isn't efficient, and efficiency, I mean, I really don't know. But I, I that was that was where I was at in my life. And and if I had to wait, I mean, I was just incensed, you know, like I've ordered this online, why is this not ready? And but that was that was kind of what my life was like in London, because it is so fast paced. And in a way, I loved it. I love that I thrive on that. But then interestingly, coming to Berlin, which is so much smaller, I mean, I think the population in London is something like 11 million or, or reaching that. And then, and then Berlin is like between three and four. So that is a huge disparity. It's yeah, very, very different. different. And you can see it just on the streets. Like you can just see it on the streets. You know, a friend visited me and it was a Saturday night and we're walking down quite a busy, in my mind, a busy road in Prenzlauerberg. And, you know, it's, it's dead. And she's like, where is everybody? And it's just like, well, this is Saturday night. You know, it's just, <laughs> this is what happens. And like, there are areas of like pockets of, you know, quite a congregated people, obviously not now, but just back to the coffee. And, you know, my first few months here, you can't get a coffee. You have to give yourself 15 minutes. You know, you go into the coffee shop and there might be somebody in front of you. Um, and it's really at the, you know, your coffee will come when it's ready. And when that person who is, when that barista is ready to serve you and, you know, and that was very good for me. It slowed me down. And it made me really start to realize what was important. And really having a coffee within two minutes made for me is not important. And actually I started and now I love it. I go and I have my my favorite places and I go and I enjoy and I talk to the people. They all know me. I know them. We have chats. It's much more personal. I think that for me was one of the biggest and most important things for me is the less people, slightly less fast paced. I mean, my job is is crazy fast paced, but that's another that's another story. <laughs> that is, but at, but at least in my in my personal life, um, that that slowed me down. Um, and interestingly, whenever I go back to London again, I was like, I'm not going to be this person, but I am that person. And I and I compare everything. I'm like, you know, the cost of transport, the cost of everything, or the the way in which I have to wait for things, or not have to wait, or there's too many people on the tube. There's, you know, it, it, and I was filled with anxiety the first time I went back to London after, and and I was just this is I did this every day, and I became that person that I used to hate in London. I was the person that was just asking the question, "How did you do this every day?" And I did it, but I mean, it was just. I look back now and I'm just like, how did I do it? So I've become everything basically that I didn't like. <laughs> and and just to talk about and using coffee as my barometer of everything, really, when I went into the, when we went into the first lockdown, and there's so much to be said about lockdown. But when I first went into it, that routine and that ritual, I would honestly say saved, saved me a bit, um, kept my sanity because I was on my own in the first lockdown the first time. And, and I remember, again, my naivety, I was I was walking home from work on that last day before everything really shut. And we went into lockdown a little bit earlier than a lot of others. Um, and I remember thinking, ah, three weeks at home, you know, ah, no problem. This will be fun. And it started off as fun. But but one thing I did that was really, really important to me was, and, and I know this from kind of previous times in my life where things have spiraled out of control, is to have a routine. And my routine was every day going to get my coffee. As soon as it opened at 10 a.m., I was there at Bramable's Donuts getting my um, soya milk latte, 
because that that was important for me to keep my sanity and um and it's really interesting how coffee and this ritual has played played a part in my life but that really did keep me on the it really did keep it gave me something to do at a time when I really knew everything else was falling apart and I had no idea but at least I knew that one point in my day was going to be something and I would also again because I was on my own it was important to have that interaction with people and that tiny conversation with that one coffee shop that happened to be open when everything else was shut was was the highlight of, of my day and so I thrived and I and I lived for those moments and the, and it's at that point where I was really happy that I didn't order it on my phone. I didn't get it delivered and I didn't and I, or, or I didn't just kind of go in and out and just pick it up. And I think that was that was really important to me. So that's definitely a pro is the slowing down and the less people, um, the price of everything as well. Everything is incredibly cheap here. Um, and I love that you can get a box of beer for 13 euros, um, (laughs) a a crate of beer, 13 euros, which is just insane and, um, dangerous as well. Something that I really noticed when moving here was that this city gives you a freedom to just do you. Coming from a superficial city like Sydney, this was pretty refreshing. Weirdly, one of the most exciting things when I moved here, I mean, not the most exciting, that's like very exaggerated, was, I I guess you know, because you also lived in London, that you always had to dress up so much in London. Like it always felt like a competition with yourself, practically, of like, how can I top yesterday's outfit? And everyone just looked amazing all the time. And even on the tube, it was like a fashion show going (laughs) everywhere. And so I was really excited when I moved here because I was like, oh, my God, no one has seen my clothes before. This is amazing. (laughs) Like, I have a crazy wardrobe that I can just show off. And incidentally, it wasn't true because the stuff that I wore in London, like the more fancier outfits and things, no one dressed like that here so that was (laughs) kind of a shock to the senses and maybe they do I'm just hanging out in the wrong neighborhoods because I think if I went to like Charlottenburg or Moabit or things like that like more in the west then they would be dressed a bit nicer (laughs) let's say or like fancier um, than they do here where I'm living I mean I think we're also just feeling this way because we're in this pandemic and I think also, my loungewear has gone out of control in this <laughs> pandemic. It was like, I didn't actually acquire anything new. I've just worn it way more. Like, I was joking with my husband that there's like one square of my wardrobe that I've worn. And that's pretty much what I've worn for like a year yeah. um, or more than. And all of this beautiful stuff that I have, because I still love wearing dresses. I still love dressing up. But I think what I liked in Berlin was that people... I mean, you could wear your underwear on the outside of your pants and people would be like, cool outfit. <laughs> but, do you, but do you really like that? Do you just like it? No, like I just like that the, the anonymity of it all. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that you yeah. don't feel this pressure, that you can be anonymous, that no one gives a shit, pretty much. I definitely had the experience when I arrived here of fielding a lot of opinions on how you're supposed to dress. My friend Meryl experienced this too. Meryl is from the Netherlands and has lived and worked in Berlin for several years now. 
You're going to get to know this wonderful lady much more in upcoming episodes, but for now, I asked Meryl about how things like dress code developed her sense of self in the city. So what I really love is actually the way that it makes me feel. Um, I feel very free here, but also to a limited extent there where I really like had to decide who I am and what I like and what I don't like. And what I, for example, then don't like about the city is that some people always... So, for example, one of uh, the ex, actually, that I moved here for, he always told me to not wear heels, uh, which is which was very strange for me. It's not that I like, like to wear heels all the time, but I like to wear both, like, boots or sneakers or, like, and also heels sometimes. But I just like to decide whatever I feel like. And he always said, you know, no one wears heels in Berlin and blah, blah, blah. So basically, I kind of like grew up here in Berlin with the idea where like, you know, just like be super plain and always wear black and like a bit like the stereotypes in Berlin. And I found along the way that actually nobody gives a shit what, what you do or what you wear. And I think as long as you're yourself, I think it's like totally fine. So what I hate is that sometimes Berlin has this really like image, you know, like it's super rough and, you know, there are a lot of dance parties and people really can go crazy. And I know actually people that also went crazy, but I think it's all about like finding the balance in the end of who you are and not like betray yourself. So in this way, I also feel so free because in the end, I kind of like had to, was basically a bit forced to think because of the city to make sure that I'm in tune with who I am and that I'm like totally fine with that and that I don't, you know, that I don't mind about what everyone else thinks. And I think that actually for a type like me, it was really, really good that I had to do that to kind of decide. And if I change my mind, I change my mind, fine. But not like, you know, expect the things that Berlin techno underground <laughs> party raving, you know, expects from you, basically. <laughs> But beyond how you feel in this city, how about real tangible perks of living here? So Berlin has this tradition, and I've never lived anywhere where it was so prevalent than here, where people leave stuff outside for free. And I'm not talking like, you know, your old microwave, which incidentally people also leave their old microwave outside and like old fridges that children could lock themselves in and suffocate. No, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of one of your dad's podcasts, to be fair, when I think yeah. about those types of stories. Like, what is the <laughs> darkest thing that can happen? <laughs> it's on your dad's podcast. Yes. And he's describing every gory detail. Um, no, so they, they leave all this stuff outside. Oh, my gosh, today, I sh oh, this is insane. Felix found a Krupp's stand mixer outside for free and he plugged it in and it works and it's beautiful like i'm so excited what? about this yeah it's taking okay. a picture that's amazing um so you just you can find just amazing stuff for free on the street i think half of our apartment is stuff that we found or bought secondhand let's say so berlin has a, a amazing culture of people upcycling giving stuff for free, trading things. And it is really, really cool. So when I was on maternity leave, I used to walk around and just find cool stuff. I mean, I don't keep all of it, but I found it. And that's half the fun. 
hey, honey, I found this new piece of junk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I get it from my dad, but I just love it. I absolutely love finding stuff. Oh, I love it too. I have to say, I have found some wonderful stuff here. We've got this little nook down in my apartment block. Um, when I moved in, my landlord was like, oh yeah, by the way, the brown shelf downstairs near the letterboxes, that's like this unspoken thing. People will put their stuff there. So every time I I go to walk up the stairs, I just peek my head around and check out if there's anything on that uh, bench. And I've, I swear to God, I found like I once picked up like an amazing new frying pan and it was like pastel pink, like super cute. Um, a bunch of baking trays, uh, plates, a lot of kitchen stuff. People are just like, I don't want this. I'm like, that's perfect for me. I think it's really nice culture. That's a really, a really cool thing about the city is this like kind of anti-capitalist way. Like they all really didn't want like the Google building to be here. Everyone's like really into, as I said, wearing their underwear over their pants, you know, just wearing like any old garbage they find on the street. That's the greatest outfit. It's all about like who can not outdo each other, but underdo each other. Is that such a thing? Like, I think if people knew, like not all people, but it, some people in my life, I think if they knew the extent of the things that I found on the street that are just like living in my house and in use they'd be disgusted genuinely because there are some people as you said who are just not okay taking garbage which I think is bizarre because we're all sort of worried about like climate change and sustainability and you know this idea of like our landfills getting getting bigger and bigger and capitalism Mm -hmm. and consumerism yet those same people are the ones that turn their nose up at like oh you picked up a book off the street That's disgusting. And how about the most famous thing about Berlin, clubbing? Well, I couldn't actually get hold of any of my raver friends, unfortunately, as they're either unreachable right now, you know, no phones allowed in clubs, or they took a step back to have babies during the pandemic. Meryl does, however, have some experience dipping her toe in the infamous Berlin club scene. Actually, um, I did do also, obviously, some good partying, especially in the beginning. I've seen a lot of clubs and a lot of experiences as well. Um, But I have to say, I was just never like the kind of person who really enjoys it to stay in a club three days that has like her her toothbrush in her backpack. And I just... Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. People do that. And like, honestly, I've never done something like this. For me, it's just a night out and that's like fine. Yeah. Um, But like, I I know people that actually stayed in clubs for like three or four days and they just, you know, have their little stuff. And then they sleep in the club as well, right? But that's for me, like that goes like super, super far. And also like when, (laughs) when yeah, it's really crazy. It sounds disgusting (laughs) to me. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's also not very hygienic. Yeah, I have to say. Um, but also I think like in the end you know like these were all these were always the kind of clubs that were more like techno bunkers and you really have to like enjoy that and for me if I like if I go clubbing I rather have like good food and like maybe a little festival somewhere or something like this in the sun with like um, nice music a bit upbeat and not this kind of hardcore uh, techno these people would actually go to clubs in berlin and they just like stay in their cave for four days or three days and then you know on tuesday they go back to work so uh, the party that i always really love is heideglun it's uh, 
Yeah, so it's actually, I think it's a bit like, it's very explainable actually, because Heidegloon is the kind of party where you would, it's like outside, it's usually on a Saturday and it starts, I think from Saturday noon until like Sunday in the 6 a.m. in the morning. So it's, or 6, maybe p.m. actually, I think Sunday 6 p.m. But then on Sunday 6 p.m. everything stops, but it's like a very like cozy, tiny, club and you have a lot of like nice people there also people with glitter and um everyone is just usually very friendly and it's it's sometimes a bit hard to get in because i have seen a lot of people actually getting uh getting uh how do you say this bounced or it turned away it turned away as well but i really love the club because maybe it's because of it's it's very intimate you have trees you have sunlight maybe it's because of that and it's a bit funky it's a bit it's a bit different in my opinion that's and cool. the music are always like, yeah. Speaking of retired clubbers, it's hard to go past one of the biggest perks of living in this city for mums like Steph. My pro of this city is that daycare is free. That is crazy. Wow. There is no other place that I could think of where you have like a human right for free daycare in this city. Now everyone with a kid will want to move here because in Canada, you know, it's like 2400 a month maybe. The States for sure, very similar. I think in Switzerland and other European countries, incredibly expensive. The UK, incredibly expensive. Mm. Berlin, free. You get a letter from the Jungenamt, the, the children's bureaucratic whatever business unit i don't know what it stands for and they tell you how much money they're going to pay on behalf of your child and it it works out to be like 1600 a month that they pay for you no matter how much money you earn or how little money you earn they will pay for it maternity leave is amazing so all the stuff around having a child they really want to promote you having children is very good here it's also great if you lose your job So the money that they pay you when you're not working is also fantastic in this country. And I know a lot of people, especially who move to Berlin for various startups, and the startup scene can be so volatile that they were out of work and they were able to live still because the government supported them. So in terms of like social support from the government, I think is an amazing place to live. A hundred percent. It is amazing. Um, Outside of that... I think Berlin specifically has been known for having cheap rent, which was sort of a reason that there was such a big art scene here. I don't really see it as much now because first of all, rent is very expensive or is getting more expensive because of that big word called gentrification that's happening in every cool city. It's like when you say a city's cool, then it just gets gentrified so everyone wants to live there. Um, So the same thing has happened here. So many tech companies have come here and people who work in that industry um, typically get paid a lot more than any other industry. So they have a lot more money and then the rent goes up because they can afford to pay more. So it's just a, a thing that's happening in Berlin as well. So although there's like, you know, supposedly this art scene, this art vibe that you're supposed to have here, creativity, um, I mean, it still exists. It still exists in some corners, but it's definitely not as predominant as it would have been like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. 
But I think the pro for me, if I had to like name a pro back then before having a kid, was that people here just felt so much more open and you could have such a deeper relationship with people than you ever could in England. And that sounds weird to me because I think British people on the whole are very friendly, but they weren't as inclusive as the people in Berlin. And it was not the Berliners, it's not the like native Berliners that I'm talking about, but rather right. the other people like me who were like, I'm gonna live in Berlin because I'm crazy. And you just meet them <laughs> and they're from everywhere in Europe, everywhere all over the world, everywhere from North America, from Latin America, from Asia, from everywhere, from you're from Australia, from like all over the place. Those are the people and I have ended up accumulating just a massive circle of friends, which I never had in England. I never had this many friends, nowhere near. And people here just had this like different openness. And maybe it's because everyone's clubbing. I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but there's just a community here. It felt like a meeting of the UN where like everyone has their little flag out from where they're from and everyone just got along. So it's it, that to me was the beautiful part of Berlin. We're just like a ragtag of weirdos who've ended up here and we just can't leave. I don't know why we're here. I mean, I know why I'm here, I guess. I know what brought me here. I know what keeps me here. But that friendship is what keeps me. This like rooted friendship. Like you do often hear, well, why are you here? Why aren't you there? Which is quite a funny question to ask. It's like, well, that's, that's a really long story. If you really want me to get into it, I can. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do, I question myself a lot of the time why we have stayed here. But I think at the end, for me anyways, maybe I've priced myself out of going back to Canada in some ways. And what I mean by that is, and maybe this is too like an overshare, but you can just save so much money living in Berlin, especially if you've been here for a while and your rent is a bit cheaper. Yeah. Um to have that type of savings rate this is such a boring it's like i'm talking about taxes right now <laughs> no but no to have that savings rate you cannot you couldn't do it i couldn't do it in vancouver i couldn't i and i would never earn the same amount of money like equivalent to the savings rate that i have here so i think that really is what keeps me So we've covered quite a few of the pros so far, but how long does it take to find your feet here? And is there such a thing as love at first sight when it comes to Berlin? Well, actually, I thought that the first year in Berlin was actually pretty hard. It was definitely not always fun. And also, like, I had made, like, two friends, two girlfriends, um, who were also, like, expats. And one was from Brazil and the other one uh, from Germany, actually. But she had traveled as well. Um, so the first year, I thought it was very difficult also because um, I think that the German administration and also when it comes to the Bürgeramt, uh, for example, I think it's really hard. And I think also like I do have German friends, actually, but that not all Germans open up very quickly. And also on the job, I hadn't really made a lot of friends. And also via my ex, it was always his friends and always his places kind of. 
So um, I really, really had to start over. So it was definitely not easy. But I also thought, um, I also talked with a lot of other people that I got to know around that time. And actually they told me like, Berlin is definitely not easy to start, but you will make your decision after a year. Because um, a lot of people say that if you make it in Berlin a year and you are kind of okay, then you will actually start to enjoy it. And this was obviously before Corona happened, but uh, in principle, I think that they're correct because for me, things started to work out very well after a year and also, you know, getting to know more people and being more in my own skin and comfortable also within the city and the liveliness and sometimes also the rudeness because Berlin can be <laughs> a very rude city. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that idea of giving it a year because, um, I've done that myself in London, I've done it here, and I do think you need to give a city time to warm up to you or for you to warm up to it. I'm just curious, um, do you recall the moment when you felt a shift, like from the difficulty to um, when things just got a bit better? Like, do you remember when you turned that corner after the year in Berlin and you thought, okay, I can do this? Yeah, I think also if I take to, into account like getting to know people, but also the job and also um, maybe even dating, everything into account, I think it was approximately after 10 months. So like I moved here in April 2018, um, but when I decided to stay, it was July 2018. So I think around springtime uh, the, the, the year after, that was definitely the moment where I thought, yeah, um, now I feel definitely more at home. I'm not lost all the time <laughs> because I thought also definitely in comparison to Hamburg, Hamburg was for me very organized and I found my way there like so quickly. And in Berlin in the first half year, I had so many times that I was lost somewhere on the street <laughs> and then I was calling my mom in the meantime and then she said, <laughs> and I said, I have to hang out now. I'm sorry because I have to check Google Maps because I think I, I took the bus into the wrong direction. Yeah. So after, I think after nine, uh, nine or 10 months in spring, that was definitely also with work. This was like everything fell into place and definitely more comfortable within the city. But no love letter is ever complete without squeezing in a few little digs, right? Whew. <laughs> that is a loaded question. <laughs> my con list is huge. I find it really challenging. Challenging is like my word of the pandemic, by the way. Um, I find it really challenging, especially now in my current job. You know, there's all this, there's so much small talk when you're meeting new people over these like Zoom meetings. Yeah. Like, oh, where do you live? Oh, I live in Berlin. Oh, I love Berlin. Do you? Really? What about <laughs> it do you love? Because my son touched human poop the other day on the street. Because that is Berlin to me. <laughs> Honestly, two blocks from my house, someone took a shit and made an X with it on the wall. A few feet down, someone took a shit in a coffee cup and tried to stick it down a grate. There's so much human feces everywhere and dog shit as well. But how did you... Okay, my question for you. Firstly, I'm traumatized by that and I, I don't see that over in Charlottenburg. I'm like dry um, heaving on the daily. Okay, but, but how do you know it's human shit? How do you know it's not dog poo? What dog would shit in a coffee cup? I think it has to be human. I think it's a human. 
But I walked. Okay. I was walking the other day because it's like the only thing you can do at the moment. You can't do anything else. I was walking. It must have been like nine o'clock, eight o'clock at night. And I saw this homeless guy just like in front of, you know, the classic Berlin double doors of an apartment. There's a little grate in front and he was shitting in a grate. Like that, that was what he was doing. Carry on. Right. My whole okay. neighborhood is full of poo. I think okay. every day that I'm going to leave, I really do. But it's so cheap and I do love how central it is. But this pandemic has really changed things where you're like, what is the point of being central when there is... There's literally nothing to do except just like count how many dog poos there are on the street. My son's favorite word is caca because that's all he sees. What does that mean? It means shit. <laughs> it means poop. Caca. Right. And he calls so... it caca wurst, which is even funnier. It's like a poo hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> caca aside, there's nowhere that I feel more daily annoyance in this city than on the topic of language. And I have absolutely zero right because I never put in effort to learn it. I totally own this like the terrible Berliner that I am, but I still have those moments on the daily where I know that my life would have been way easier and way more meaningful if I'd even mastered just the basics. Here's Meryl with how language can really play a part in your first year in this city. Um, it's actually funny because I did have German uh, during my high school period, but when I moved to Hamburg, I was 26, I think, and now I'm 25, I think, and now I'm 30, so it's a bit later, but I hadn't speak spoken German like in eight years. So when I came into this like international event company, but with a very German department who luckily could all speak English very well. Um, like the first two weeks I was utterly exhausted I was so exhausted because everyone speaks German all the time and you recognize it and obviously I live very close to the border or my parents at least do and I kind of like grew up with it but it was definitely a shift over the years over the course of the years I definitely went better but when I ended up in Berlin actually it was uh, I definitely had my moments where I really cursed as well because I mean, I live in Friedrichshain, which is East Germany, and sometimes I did go to the doctors and then you had this doctor's assistant that is coming from East Germany and you know that you're not really capable of, you know, um, telling what you have at the doctors because you don't know the words. So I learned fairly quickly that I had to look up the words of to describe of what I was having. Because if you don't describe it and if you start in English, sometimes they just yell at you or you're just not being held properly and they don't also even try. So I do think that in certain ways, some adjustment to the German language is very important. And now we're like almost four years further. And now I say, I mean, I also have my job interviews in German, so I'm pretty comfortable now and I pick it up faster. And also because I had it in high school, but also because I you know, live close to Germany and as a Dutch person, it definitely has some uh, similarities. Um, I think it definitely also depends on where you are. And also, I think it greatly depends on your job, for example, because I do believe that if you um, work at an international company where the main corporate language is English, I think you will be fine. But the reason that I took that extra step as well is because I actually like to have a bit of control and I don't like to be... 
um, I want to say almost shouted at or something at the media markt or at like the local <laughs> <laughs> electrical. That <laughs> happens every week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and also, uh, for example, like I've been in situations also administration wise within Germany that I really like needed to like dive in and learn what it actually meant and also the consequences. And you know, the Germans are very strict with administration. So, you better prepare yourself. So I don't actually think per se that you would miss out, but I do think it's handy to have at least some kind of basis um, because it would just make your life a bit easier. I yeah, oh, 100%. Like from my side, I if I didn't have my... <laughs> If I didn't have my Google Translate app to like to like scan every document that I receive in the mail, and even when I scan it, it doesn't translate it very well because it's Google Translate. So I'm kind of I'm. It's such a um, disadvantage. I know it, but for some reason, I'm in this weird state where I'm like refusing to learn because I just don't feel like this is my forever place. Yeah, I mean, for like actually, it's so funny because I saw this the other like this week, and I saw this example that you have in uh, Spanish and French. You have passion, or uh, you know, passion, and then you have this in German. You have Leidenschaft, and it sounds <laughs> so harsh, but this is actually the truth. And the same with science. You know, in Italian, French, and Spanish, you say something like ciencia. You know, very soft, and all the words are very similar. And Science. Then, Science, exactly. And then in Germany, you have Naturwissenschaften. So it sounds like the, the, actually also when uh, my uh, one of my exes actually told me that they loved me, ich liebe dich, yeah. I think it sounds so horrible and maybe it's also to my Dutch eyes, but it sounds always so hard and not sexy at all. But, <laughs> but you get used to it after a while, I have to say, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've had some fun teasing Berlin, but you know we love you, Berlin. It's at times like this, when I've gotten fixated on the tiny details or differences, that I remind myself to step back, take a walk, look up, and remember where the hell I am. I'm in Berlin, and it's honestly a pretty amazing place to live. It's, an, it's such an interesting city. There's so much here. You just feel like you're walking down the road and something happened here, you know, in World War Two, Something major happened over in that street over there. The wall has made this city so interesting. And it's fascinating to think that in my lifetime, that it was in my lifetime that that wall was, was still up. And, you know, and, and going to the 30 years of the 30 years since the, the, mower, the, the, the wall fell, was really interesting again. And I, I just felt like, how did this happen in my lifetime? So every, every now and then you kind of get struck with this, ah, this was real, this this happened here. Um, and it's steeped in a lot of history, a lot of sadness, actually. There's a very sad story of kind of nationalism as well. And you won't see flags around. This is why Germany gets really gets really kind of big about football because it's something they can hang on to and be nationalistic about, which is really, you know, which is such a positive thing because... The, the war was so long ago, um, but also not that long ago. And it's it, it's still here and you, you still see this uh, day in, day out. And, you know, it, I think, you know, in, in the UK, we're so we're so nationalistic or some of us, are, some of us, not all of us, but are royalistic as well. And and, and we we're very proud of where we're from. And I think the Germans, it's not that they're and I wouldn't like to say this, but they're not it's not that they're not proud of where they're from. But you don't see flags everywhere. Um, it's only on kind of parliamentary buildings or state buildings. And then 
when the football team come out. And I think that's why they, they go crazy for football. And it's so exciting because I love sport too. So, um, you know, I've got my, my German football team that I support and, and everything moving here. But, but, it's, but it's really exciting to see that because, yeah, it's just such an interesting world steeped in history that I've really enjoyed um, discovering and finding out about. And there's always something to learn here. So, yeah. Yeah. 